0: do have that opportunity to whip out those cards and really continue to pray for those names and those people that God has brought into our lives. Today we finished the last class of our training Uh, in evangelism. And so that's really, we thank God for that. We continue to invite people. I noticed as I, up here I can see that like there are different people that are coming to visit us to to worship and then walking is going out to share the gospel with others. Uh, Really honestly, as we put these things out there, I do see some of these things, God answering some of these things in terms of uh, people sharing about how God is opening those doors, about people coming, about being able to share the gospel, and so we really thank God and want to continue to, to ask God for the next six months to say, hey, these are the commitments that we bring to you, God. Can you, um, you know, we want to see you at work. We want to see people come to know Jesus as Savior. We want to see people come and join us of the things that God is doing here at Living Hope, and today we're going to be continuing in our series on the idea of worthy, We're looking at the attributes of God from the book of the Psalms. We've seen that there's very specific ways in which the attributes of God actually affect our practical day-to-day living. We've looked at the holiness of God. We looked at the wisdom of God. We looked at the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God. We looked at the wrath of God. And today we want to look at the grace of God. Now, the grace of God is more than just the idea that God has given us more than we deserve. The grace of God is actually, it's the power of God that is given to every believer. The Bible says that in Jesus, we actually live by grace. We stand in his grace. We are kept by his grace, that God's grace is central to the Christian life. And God's grace is something that we can't earn. Uh, we don't deserve, and yet God pours out his grace in abundance day after day. Simple, sobering example of the grace of God. Every day when we wake up, we, we, we expect every day that we're going to wake up tomorrow in the same way that we woke up today. And, but yet even this is, is grace, because there are 150,000 people who were here yesterday, but are not here today. And there are 150,000 more people who are here on this earth today who will not be here tomorrow. I mean, that's very sobering. And we think about this and we say the breath of life, the ability to simply wake up tomorrow is because of the grace of God. You know, grace can be defined in this way that God owes us nothing. He doesn't owe us anything, and yet He has given and He continues to give us in an inexhaustible supply of his goodness he continues to pour out his goodness upon our lives and this is really what we want to look at this morning and what this means for us as followers of jesus christ i'd like you to turn with me to psalm 145 verse 1 psalm 145 verse 1 let's go ahead and let's stand in reverence for the word of god and this is the word of the lord from psalm 145 David says, I will extol you, my King and my God, and I will bless your name forever and ever every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Skipping down to verse 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and His mercy is over all He has made. Going to verse 13. The Lord is faithful in all His words and kind in all His works. The Lord upholds those who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down the eyes of all look to you and you O lord give them their food in due season you open your hand you satisfy desire the desire of every living thing verse 17 the lord is righteous in all his ways kind in all his works the lord is near to all who call on him and who call on him in truth he fulfills the desire of those who fear him he also hears their cry and saves them In verse 20, the Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak of the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. You may be seated. The Lord bless this reading of his word. From this psalm, we're going to see that there is nothing more powerful and more transforming than understanding what it means to live In the grace of god this is what it means to to live under his grace there are three things we want to look at regarding the grace of god first of all the gracious character of god you know how god himself is a gracious god the second thing we want to look at is the gracious acts of god the actual things that he does day to day that express his grace and finally the third thing we want to look at is the gracious life how do we live under the grace of God and we see this that David he he praised God for his mighty acts which are told which he says should be told from generation to generation I mean he say you know God I could talk about you all day long that God your mighty acts should be meditated upon should be commended should be spoken about should be sung about in every way praise should be just pouring out day after day regarding who you are and what you have done that's what how David starts the psalm and then in verse 8, David says, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. His mercy is over all that he has made. This is really a summary statement of the character of God and really is the main point of this psalm. This is God's heart. This is how God acts by nature. And there's some important, very important statements here that, that, that we see in this verse regarding God's gracious character. It says that God is gracious and merciful. It says he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. In verse 16, it says he is good to all. And then in verse 17, if you skip down to verse 17, it says, he is righteous in all his ways. Now, when he says he's righteous in all his ways, what this means is that all these qualities, in all these qualities, God is absolutely perfect in their expression and in their execution. It's, you know, sometimes we wonder, we say, well, God, you know, um, I don't know if it's good to be merciful to that person you know, you may take advantage of it, but God, no, God's mercy is perfect. And we may say, well, you know, sometimes, God, I don't know if your goodness, you know, is good for some, but not good for others. Are there others being left out? And we say, no, God's goodness is perfect. You, do you regret being gracious to that person, God? No, God is perfect in his grace. Everything about what God does in, in, in his love and grace is, is perfect, it, was out, it is without flaw, it is without favoritism. God is a God who is full of grace. That's who he is. That's his heart of heart. I, you know, you ever met someone who's truly gracious and kind? I mean, you just, like, you, you, you know they're not, they're just, you, you meet them and you know that they're not faking it. Sometimes you wonder, are they faking it? And then you talk to them and go, no, they're not faking it. They are so gracious. They're not straining to be gracious. They're just, they're not hiding who they are. That's just who they are. You can tell like the moment you see them. Like, wow, oh, this person, they're just so loving. It could be a grandparent. It could be a neighbor. It could be a friend. It could be a person at work. You just know that, hey, this, this person just full of grace. They're always so kind. They always just want to love on people. They're always so generous. They're, they're always smiling all the time. And we say, that's a person that's gracious. I mean, I, you know, you can think of people like that. That's who they are by nature. You can't fake it. And God, by his nature, is gracious. He's perfect in grace. You know, sometimes you know people, other people, and you say, well, you look at them, and you say, wow, they're so good. And then you work with them, or you live with them, and you're like, oh, now I see another side to them. Or, you know, it's like they get, you, know, you get into a crisis, or something happens, you say, oh, now I see another side to them that I haven't seen before. And you say, oh, okay, yeah, they're still human, they still have flaws, you know, but God... If we were able to see all sides of God, if we were exposed to everything that God is, we would never be disappointed. Because God, unlike people, God is perfect in every way. The more and more we see God, the more and more we're going to say, whoa, I didn't realize the depth of the graciousness of God and how, how good he is, how, how his grace and mercy and goodness are so great perfect in fact the bible says that that his mercies are new every morning and it's like you know it's like if you walk with god for like 20 years some of us here have walked with god for many many years 20 years 30 years 60 years so i don't know 60 years um and we know god so intimately we've experienced and seen his love so much and yet the bible says Yet there's still, for all the years that we've walked with God, there's still something new about his mercy that we will see today. And even something more exciting tomorrow. And something even more uh, that we can appreciate about God and his goodness the day after that. Every single day, God has some new way of expressing his grace in your life. And in my life, some new lesson, some new work, some new reason to praise him, some new way that we're going to say, whoa, Jesus is just so good. I knew Jesus was good, but man, today, after what happened today, Jesus is so good. If we could look into the spiritual realm and just see all the things that God does in one 24-hour period, we would be amazed at the things that he does To relieve our burdens every day. To protect us from harm every single day. To to give us some unexpected blessing every single day. And we ask the question, Well, why does God do this? Is it because today I was better, you know? Or I finally didn't sin as much today? No, it's because God in his very nature is gracious. That's one of the most important things that we want to understand about God. A God is full of grace, full of mercy, abounding in steadfast love. He is good to all. And the psalmist goes on to speak about the specific acts of God's grace, some specific things that we can look at and we can see and understand uh, from the next few verses. In verse uh, 13, it says, The Lord is faithful in all his works and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds those who are falling, raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in their due season. You open your hand, and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. The lord is righteous in all his ways kind in all his works the lord is near to all who call on him who call on him in truth he fulfills the desires of those who fear him and he also hears their cry and he saves them and we look at these verses and and we say what are the specific acts of god Uh, in his grace towards us and we see these four things we see he's faithful to his promises he upholds us when we fall he provides for our every need he answers us when we cry to him the first thing it says is the lord is faithful in all his words god always does what he says he will do he will never fail even if we fail him or shall i say even when we fail him and there's no reason for God to continue to stick with us or, 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 or follow through, God will always fulfill his promises. There's an article written um, in, uh, 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 I forgot which magazine, it was, of the, it was called The Power of Keeping Your Word. And it says there are a number of ways that we measure a person's worth or our own worth. And he says perhaps none other evokes as much emotion as keeping our word that we make commitments to others all the time, but the question is, do we keep them? And here's the thing that this writer says, he says, when we fail to keep a promise, it communicates to the other person that we don't value him or her, that we have elected to place something else ahead of our commitment. That's when we fail to keep a promise. It's like if we promise, you know, our child says, oh, I'm going to do this for you, I promise I'm going to do this for you, and then something happens, and oh, I can't, I have to go to work, I have to do this. That means something was put ahead of them. And it's a st- it, 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 it makes them feel, you know, the value. And so we say here, you know, when we, when we fail to keep a promise, it communicates we don't value them. And so this last statement, when we say, when we keep a promise then, the other is, the, the converse is true. When we keep a promise, when we keep a promise to our child, we say, I'm going to be there. I'll be there to, to cheer you on. You know, our parents, we say, we go, we say oh, I'm going to be there uh, to watch you in your soccer or game. It's not like I'm going out there to kick the ball or to help you or to block, the, you know. The, I'm going out there to show you that I value you. That I'm going to keep my promise to you. That you are valued. That you are important to me. And so when we keep a promise, what we are saying to that person is, I value you, that there's nothing that's going to stand in the way of me doing the things that I told you that I was going to do for you. That's value, right? There's nothing else more important that's going to stop me. And so when God says that, when, when it says that God is faithful to his promises, when God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, he's saying, he's making a statement of value. When God says that, that, that even though, you know, when a sparrow falls, I know when that sparrow falls and, and don't you realize that you're a hundred times more precious to me than them. That's saying, God's saying to us, this is how much I value you. When, when we think, you know, a lot of times we think about God and we say, oh, you know, that thing that I wanted to happen, um, God didn't do it. And we say, oh, God doesn't care because he didn't do that one thing that I wanted him to do. Or he didn't do that one thing that would have made life a lot better for me. And we say, well, God doesn't care. But we we forget that God has been faithful to, to his promises for a thousand generations. He has been faithful to keep his promises you since the day you were born and he will keep his promises to the day he will die at the to the day you will die at the end of your life if you look back and say has God ever failed we will see that God has never failed on any one not even one of his promises and we say well does God owe us that You know, because a lot of times we say, oh, you saved my life, so I promise, you know, I'm going to do this for you, or you did this for me, you're always there for me, so I promise I'm going to do that for you. And so we're always saying, you did this for me, so I promise I'm never going to let you down. I promise I'm never going to let you down. And so did we do anything for God that God would say, I promise I'll never let you down? Well, no. I mean, in fact, we did the exact opposite. Right? We, say that, we tell God all the time, I promise I'll do this for you. I promise I'm not going to sin anymore. I promise I'm going to do this for you. And we fail all the time. Right? We don't follow through on our promises to God. And yet God says that I am faithful to my promises. I'm obligated to you and I will never fail you. When your time on earth is done, when you stand before Jesus, and Jesus says come and enjoy eternity in heaven it will be because God is faithful to his promises that will be the only reason that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life that's that's his promise that's God's grace that's God being faithful his word the second thing is God upholds us when we fall verse 14 says the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down the expression this idea of bowed down describes um, describes the feeling of being beaten down actually Uh, to be feeling weak to feel physically or emotionally weak because you've been beaten down that's bowed down and and I think about that, and when I was reading that and going through the sermon just praying, and I feel like, wow, that's kind of how you feel like every day sometimes. Isn't it? You feel like you're being, it's like this world is constantly beating us down. We constantly, you know, after the day is over, we feel tired. We feel spent. Just working with different people, just dealing with different people just dealing with this crisis and that crisis and this comet and that comet, and all these things and 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 we say wow you know i just feel bowed down every day and god in his grace says every day i'm here to lift you up to lift up your head that when this world beats us down that i'm here god says the grace i give you strength you know, when you don't have the strength, I give you a hope when, when, when we don't have the hope. I give you a worth and value that's not measured by how you've been treated today. That the Lord upholds all who are falling and he raises up all of us each day when we feel like the world is just beating us down. The third thing is that God is gracious in his provision It says, you know, he provides for every need. It says, the eyes of all look to you. You give them their food in their due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. He provides for all our needs. The food we eat, the things we we need to live uh, uh, to survive this world, they come from God. The fact that I can go to the grocery store and fill my refrigerator with food, um, that's the grace of God. That I could choose, you know, which type of cheese I want. There's like five different types. That's the grace of God that we have that type of choice. Uh, The fact that when it's cold, I can say, Alexa, turn up the heat. (laughs) And within 10 minutes, the house is warm. That's the grace of God. The the, the fact that I can look in my closet and wonder, what should I wear today? You know, we say, well, you could choose what you're going to wear. That's the grace of God. That, That we have all these things. And that's the provision of God. That, 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 that's another expression every single day of God's grace in our lives. And finally, in verse 8, it says, The Lord is near uh, to all who cry, on, cry to him, who call to him in truth. And this is specific to the area of prayer. And this is specific now. This is not just talking about people who you know, are almost in a car accident and say, God save me, you know, and say, oh, well, thank God. That's not really what this is. This is talking about people who um, trust in God, who fear God, who love God, who believe in His promises and on his promises and obey according to his promises and trust that God will not fail and when they cry out to God and say God now is the time to come through because it's a it's it's what I really need now and and it says God will respond to faith to our faith with faithfulness that he will not be you know oh I was off doing something God will be right there he hears our cries And it says not just he hears our cries, he saves them. When we act in faith, when we believe in the things that God has promised, when we obey because we know that this is God's word and he promises that this is the right thing to do, God says that whenever you call out to me in times of struggle, in times of need, in times of hurt, I will not be far away. I will not be looking some other direction. I'll be near, and I will hear your cry, and I will save you in whatever that is. And so we look at this, and we say the Lord is gracious. These are the gracious acts that we experience every single day. He's faithful to his promises. He upholds us, you know, when we're beaten down by this world. He provides for our needs every morning. He answers when we cry to him. This section ends with a very interesting statement in verse 19. It says, "The Lord preserves all who love him, but to all the wicked he will destroy." Now, this is one of those things where you're always reading the Psalms and you're kind of like, "Why is that in there?" You know, there's always something about destruction. There's always something about evil. And sometimes we, like, you know, we try to quote the psalm and we, we try to read it to somebody. And so we'll read, oh, the Lord is good and gracious. And, and, that, and they say, what did you say there? Oh, uh, it says, but the wicked he will destroy. Whoa. Does that nullify everything that was just been said? No. See, when we go back and we think about this psalm, um, This psalm in verse 5, it says the glorious, it talks about the glorious splendor of your majesty. That's Jesus. Uh, They speak of the glory of your kingdom. That's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so when we think about the 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 blessings in the Psalms and the praises in this psalm, there's a bigger context of, of Jesus and his kingdom. This psalm is talking about Jesus, the King when he comes from heaven and establishes his kingdom on earth, um, this is what's going to happen. So three days after Jesus died, he, ro- he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and now Jesus is ruling in heaven, but someday Jesus is going to return, he's going to rule on earth in a kingdom of righteousness and grace. And everyone who accepts this kingship, Will be included in this kingdom blessing and will receive and experience this grace forever and ever. But now, see, Jesus' kingdom is not a forcible kingdom. See, in the in ancient Israel times, those kingdoms were forced on you. If a king conquered you, you had no choice, right? He, he forced you to follow him, he forced you to give allegiance to him. You became a part of this foreign kingdom whether you liked it or not that's just the way things work in ancient Israel in the, in the ancient world but Jesus is not a human king and his kingdom is not a human kingdom in God's grace we have a choice we always have a choice God says every day of your life you can enjoy my provision my mercy my goodness regardless of your faith even if you reject me deride me shake your fist at me, curse me, you will still live under my grace and blessing because by nature, I am a gracious and good God. God says, I love to bless no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, whether you choose me, whether you want to love me, I just love you. And everyone here, we feel every day and experience the grace of God every day. Like I said, when we open our refrigerator, when we look at what we have, we experience the grace of God every morning. But God says, and this is very important, Eventually, you will have to choose whether you want Jesus or you don't want him. See, he says you can't reject Jesus and still hold on to all the blessings forever because you have to choose. You have to choose to accept Jesus by faith. And when we choose to accept Jesus by faith, then the blessing of God will continue upon us for eternity. And in fact, God promises that we will enter into a whole new realm of blessing and grace that we never even imagined. But if we choose to reject Jesus on this, in this lifetime, when Jesus comes in his kingdom... You will be left outside. Now, we may say, well, that's not fair. But the Bible never says God's fair, the Bible says God is gracious meaning that he has already given more blessing and more opportunity than we will ever deserve in our entire lives. But if we continue to insist that we don't want Jesus and we don't want his kingdom and we don't want to love him and we don't want to honor him, when our life is done on earth, um, God says you will have exactly what you wish and we will live forever apart from Jesus in a place called hell. And we talked about hell last week. So if you've never received Jesus as Savior, I again encourage you to... Put your faith in Jesus as Savior, to agree and believe know that, that I am a sinner, that I have, I, I don't deserve the things that I have. I, I, I need salvation. To believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross for my sin and rose from the dead. To choose, to follow him through faith. These are the things that, that, that will enable us to say, God, not only am I just gonna be a recipient of your grace, but I really want to put my faith in you, to follow Jesus, to receive his kingdom, to, to say, God, I love you. I love you for already the things that you have given to me that I experience in my life right now. So we looked at, we've looked at the character of God, the gracious character of God. We looked at the gracious acts of God. Um, the final thing we will look at is the gracious life. What does our life look like when we're fully conscious of God's immeasurable grace? We talked about, the Bible talks about we stand according to his grace. We live according to his grace. What do these things mean? Again, the grace of God is actual power. The grace of God enables you and me to live in a manner that is different than if we didn't have God's grace. That's very important to realize because a lot of times we look at our lives and we say, well, you know, my life's kind of as a Christian, I'm a pretty good person. I probably would end up doing the same things that I'm doing right now, you know, whether or not I'm a Christian or not. Well, that's not true, no. The grace of God makes life different. The first aspect of a gracious life is that we will find that God always gives us more than everything we need to do the things God has called us to do. God gives us more than everything we need to do the things that God has called us to do. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you will have an abundance for every good deed. And this is, you know, if you notice here, it just it's like all, uh, all sufficiency, everything, abundance for every good deed. It's like it's constantly, there's more and more stuff. And what this is saying is that there is no such thing as insufficient grace. Okay, there's no such thing as insufficient grace. <laughs> You know, before Venmo, PayPal, Square Cash, there used to be these things called checks, okay? <laughs> Every once in a while, you'll see somebody whip one out, but very rarely. But when you write out a check, what you're doing is you're the, when you give a check to somebody, the bank takes out your money and gives it to that company. Now, if you don't have enough money in your bank account, those checks, they bounce, Right? And they bounce because why? Because of insufficient funds. Insufficient funds. You don't have enough in your bank to really pay for these things that you have promised. That you promise somebody that you're going to pay for these things, but your bank doesn't have the money to back it up. Well, see, here's the thing. The bank of God's grace is inexhaustible. When he writes a check, it don't bounce. No, because he's infinite in its supply. It never runs out. God's grace not only saves you, But it guarantees that we will be supplied with all sufficiency in everything and anything that God calls us to do. And we look at this and we say, man, there are some things that I just don't know, God. I don't know if I can do this. And God says, wait, go back to this verse. All sufficiency for everything that I call you to do by the grace of God. You want to do it on your own strength, that's different. Okay, God says, you want to do it on your own strength, that's different. Then you don't got nothing. Then you don't have you try to do it on your own strength, you won't, have the, you won't have the power, you won't have the ability to do this right. But if you do it according to the grace of God, you will always find sufficiency. God will often put us in situations where our strength and ability is not enough. But he will never put us in a situation where his grace is not sufficient There's no such thing as insufficient grace. We remind ourselves of that with everything we face. When we honor God, we want to serve God. We want to do the things that God, that pleases God. And we look at it and sometimes we say, oh man, can I pray that often? Can I read the Bible that often? Can I make that type of commitment that often? I don't know if I can do that. God says, yeah, you can. Because why? Because every day I'm going to give you the grace to do the things that you ought to do. And my grace will never run out for the things that that you do for for Jesus, for the things we do. The second thing about a gracious life that we will find is that we will have the ability to overcome the bondage of sin. Now this is very important. In Titus 2.11 it says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live upright and godly lives in this present age. It says the grace of God trains us that means that god's word doesn't just say god doesn't give his word and just say okay here's what's right and here's what's wrong so just don't do that and do this and just go go do it you know the grace of god trains us meaning it enables us to be obedient to the word of God in everything. It enables us, to the, the grace of God enables us to become more like Jesus day after day. And this is very important because sometimes we look at sins in our lives and we say, man, they hold us in bondage. And we give up. And we say, you know, I, I tried so hard, but I keep failing and i don't think i can change this is just going to dog me for a long time until something different happens in my life or some some miracle but or we may say well you know i'm not ready to change there's still too many things going on in my life right now and I got so many other, uh, you know, I'll change later when I have the strength or when I'm ready to change. Or this is too big of an issue for me right now to handle. Or we may say this is too little of an issue, too little of an issue for me to handle right now. I got other things in my life that I take care of and so we allow like, like sin to, to, to settle into our lives because we say, well, I, you know, I don't have the strength to deal with this right now. I just can't deal with this right now. But God's grace says, hey, you know. That's not that's not true. Because God wants to be free of the bondage of sin. He says, Let my grace train you. No excuse of saying, Oh, this is too hard for me. I'm just gonna let it sit until God does something miraculous. God says, No, I already done it. I already give you grace through Jesus Christ every single day to say no to sin let my grace enable you to rid yourself of the bondage of sin and guilt we you know sometimes we say well we love sin but no we 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 don't like sin we hate the guilt we hate ourselves sometimes for the things that we do we don't, you know, the, to have, to allow sin in our lives, that's not a good thing. We, we, Afterwards, we just feel horrible. We feel like, you know, I wish that I just get rid of this thing. I wish that I could overcome this thing. And God's saying, there's nothing that my grace cannot overcome that you can say no by the power of God's grace. And he said, well, yeah, but if I say today, what about next week? What about next week? Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about that. God says today, I'll give you grace to say no. And tomorrow, if it comes again, God says, I'll give you the grace to say no again. And if it comes again the next day, God's gonna give you the grace to say no again. And if it comes the next day, the next day, the next day for, for years, God's gonna give you the grace every single day to say no to sin, no to unrighteousness. There is no habitual sin that has so much power that is more powerful than the grace of God that we can't, we can't handle, we can't say no to. That's, God's grace is sufficient. So if you're discouraged right now thinking that some sin or behavior is holding you down, if you have some guilt or shame right now, just understand God's grace is never insufficient. We say no today and we trust that the next day or the next time or the next time, he will give us the grace to say no again and again and say yes to the things that he calls us to do. 2 Peter says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in that grace. Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we will receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. When Paul faced the discouragement of his chronic illness, he said, my grace, but I found God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live but christ lives in me and the life i live now by the flesh i live by i i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and delivered himself up for me grace gives you the victory when you have no victory grace gives you the power when we have no power grace gives you the ability when we feel like we're going to give up grace the grace god is a god of grace he gives grace to all who are in need He's already poured an abundance of grace in our life. And he says, if you need more, you just ask. Just walk up to the, the throne of grace and say, I need more grace today, God. And God won't say, oh, I gave you so much grace already. Can't you take care of it? He said, no, I'll give you more grace. You really need it? I'll give you more. So that you can do the things that I want you to do. That's, that's the nature of God. See, the problem is not the measure of God's grace. The problem is often us. You know, verse chapter, Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, the next verse says that, um, he says, I do not nullify the grace of God. Well, how do you nullify the grace of God? Well, to nullify the grace of God, if you try to live the Christian life in our own power, Paul says, uh, you know, if I try to live the, the Christian life in my own power, by my own righteousness, according to the law, I nullify the power of God's grace. Right? If I try to overcome sin through my own personal discipline, then I'm not doing it through the grace of God. If I try to live the Christian life and do all those things that Pastor Harrison tells me to do, or the Bible tells me to do, and I do it, you know, by my strength, then the grace of God, we nullify the grace of God. Everything that we try to do outside of God's grace will not only fail but it will turn us in the other direction. Because if we do things in our own strength and we succeed, it's just gonna boost up our own pride, no grace. And if we do things in our own strength and we fail, we're just gonna be entrenched in our determination, well, I'm gonna gonna do this, you know? And we still get no grace. When we cultivate an understanding of the grace of God, we will grow in his grace day by day. And we will see the power of God at work in very specific areas of our lives. That's his promise. So this time as we take communion, we look at this and say the grace of God was brought to us through the blood of Jesus Christ, through his body, was given to us on the cross. And so we invite everyone who is a a believer, if you put your faith in Jesus as Savior, if you're committed to him, you're walking with him, we invite you to come and, and to take of the elements and I'd like us to, you know, as we take the elements, to gather in groups and just really spend time praising God and, and thanking God for the grace that we've received even this week. That if something is mindful, comes to your mind in regards to the grace of God, the way in which he's kept his promise to me this week, the way in which he has provided this week, the way in which he's lifted me up this week, the way in which he's heard my cry or helped me to say no to sin, that any of these things that that, that we join together and we praise God for his grace and we ask God that we continue to live according to his grace. So, So let's go ahead and just spend some time in prayer.